Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 678 of the Milk Bar 678. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show this week, we've got a bit of dating from somebody who's helped out on Celebs Go Dating. Anna Williamson will be letting us know what's going on and how to avoid the ick, that point when the relationship has gone wrong. Also, Gary A. Wales joining us with Rivenata about his film Rage. It's released on DVD and the recent awards that they've already received. I believe they've got four in the bag. He'll be letting us know all about that as we chat with him from Oklahoma. Plus, we'll be talking poetry with Andy Summers and finding out about the real world of Robin Hood, much more like what was really going on as we have a bit of a natter with Steve C. Davis. That's all coming up on the show this week. Gary A. Wales has been celebrating success for his film Rage. Raising awareness is a big part of it, but also awards are coming in too. Now, as we speak, it is a stupid time of day for both of us because he's currently over in the US and he'll tell us a little more about that in a moment's time. But first of all, welcome to the show. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you doing? I'm just about okay, but we're, I think we're both a little tired. It's the wrong end of the day for both of us, isn't it? Yep, 6.30 for you, 12.30 for me. Yeah, but we will cope. <laughs> That's the important part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you're over in the US at the moment. I know you've been into Canada and you're, you've now headed down to somewhere that's more traditionally known for its filmmaking. Correct. Uh, I'm in Oklahoma, uh, my second home. Um, I, I love Oklahoma. I've been here many times and I think I've, I've built such a, a name for myself here in Oklahoma. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I love it here. It's great. But we can't tickle any more about the project you're on at the moment, but we will no. as you get close to that. But meanwhile, uh, I mean, just a few weeks ago was the, uh, the premiere and uh, you must be so proud of the responses you've seen to Rage. Yes, Rage. Um, we held the premiere in April and uh, end of April, and uh, it was a success. It was there was many, many people that showed up, which was unbelievable. The, the support was amazing as well. Um, we got a lot of media as well, which was which was fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, the premiere went really well, and then we went straight into film festivals afterwards, and we were quite shocked actually because. Within the first three weeks, it was crazy. Awards were just flying and it was, it was great. And it's so good to see that sort of reaction as well, particularly when a film has a, a meaningful topic of conversation. Uh, right. It's so well made. And having spoken to several of the cast with you, it's, it's, it's nice to see a number of different projects that get this sort of recognition. And uh, in the, the likes of uh, groups who are maybe a little closer in uh, geographically to where we are compared to, to what you're doing. I mean, you've, you've been down the, through the Midlands and worked on projects in the past, which is how we know each other. Uh, but it, it's so good to see that there are so many people just being creative and particularly at this, you know, the, the, the two years we've been through, it hasn't stifled anyone's creativity at all. Right. I think it's actually helped. It's it's helped us, like, it's kept us away from being on film sets. And uh, I think it's allowed the creative industry to be able to to think more about uh, what's actually out there. Um, yeah, it's it's helped me a lot, definitely. Um, I, I think, uh, like, over the past three years or whatnot, it was, um, it's 
hearing like completely different sides of trying to like deal with rules and whatnot it like built up like anger and that for quite a lot of people um and i think that helped my creativity especially with rage um and the character that i played as well so yeah i think that all helped as well so who has picked up awards from this um so right now we have won four awards um we first won best inspirational short film um we won that one at the uh, monthly indie shorts um and then right after that um i won three best actor awards at three different film festivals um all around the world uh we were in turkey um we had one in greece and athens um i can't remember where the other one was um Yes. This is all part of the international nature of, of the film industry, as it's always been, but it's allowing more people who are putting their work out there, often as independents, to be able to gain the sort of recognition on an international stage, which okay. they deserve. Now, I mean, you, you're not unused to success anyway. You've been involved in projects globally. Uh, right. So it's no shock, to be fair, that when you are involved in a, a small independent feature like this, to, which is there to raise awareness as much as anything else, right. it's... It's it, yeah. It's it's we expect you to do well, right? But, I mean the the fact that there's so many people globally doing this is just the nature of the 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 way in which you can get these things out there today and share a message. Exactly. Um, I I think I think a lot of more projects are coming out that are starting to share messages, which is great. Um, some for the wrong reasons, some for the for the good reason. You know, um, it's about how or mesh really. Um, but I mean, me and David, we've. We've obviously came up with with the next film, which is going to be Victim, um, which is basically the opposite um, that you would see in Rage. Um, and then we're bringing in a few other topics as well into Victim. Um, it's basically the, the the female victimizing the male this time um, through drug abuse, uh, domestic violence, and forced rape as well. Um, so another strong hard hitting piece. Uh, we are going to be we are going to be stronger with this one. Um, it's probably going to be more graphic and it's going to be longer as well. It's we're aiming for about at least 60 minutes for this one. And, and through that and, and extending sort of timescale that you're working with there, uh, still within the short film category. But again, I think this is something which helps get a message across in a, an impactful way very often, doesn't it? Right. Uh, epics are there for a reason and they, you know, they're often big action movies. Um, but in when you're telling a personal tale... It, because of the level of emotion that you have in there, it, it's it's like a, a four-hour film, but it really is condensed and compacted into that period yeah. of time. Exactly. I mean, people did want um, a longer film for Rage. Um, it, it was just, it's too hard to do. It's, um, I think even if we did film a one-hour and 30-minute film, I think we would have ended up cutting it straight down anyway, because um, it's just, it's, it's too strong. Um, I don't me me personally. I couldn't comfortably like sit in a theater and watch an hour and thirty minutes of that. I just couldn't. It was yeah, yeah, too intense for the yeah. audience, let alone for the actors who are portraying it. Because you do, yeah. you certainly need to take into consideration what you're putting your actors through, the roles they are, are experiencing. They may not suffer that physical and emotional violence. But you do need to ensure that they they the reactions that they are portraying from it don't don't scar them we, we we hear that in in the industry and too many actors really do put themselves through the mill when it comes to these things but for for our benefit and it's it's having the support structure behind that to, that, that really is necessary 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely felt it. Um, obviously, me producing it, directing it, um, co-writing it as well, um, and also trying to play that that character as well. Like, I was going through so many different arrays of emotions. Um, we shot it in three days. Um, and, like, the day after a rap day, like, I was, like, I still felt like I was in Alex's character. It was, it was scary. I literally had to shave off all my facial hair, shave off all my hair and like send a picture into the group chat and be like, yo, I'm like, I feel free now. You know, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. It was just weird. It was, it's, I'm not a method actor. I don't want to be a method actor, but it felt like I was doing that character because I've never, I've never experienced a character like that. I've never done a character like that. And I'm actually glad that I did because I learned so much from it. And I can see it's definitely paying off, um, which is nice. So, yeah. yeah. And so we're both through the, the message that's out there, the support that you're giving to the charities that you've been working right. with, the funding from the film and the DVD sales, and of course yeah. the uh, the rights to which when, when this streams too. Uh, and uh, you've got the the fact that you've started a conversation, which is the important things, and that's what I know you like to do with your work because of the importance of uh, making sure that the right message gets across and. Right. Uh, where people understand what others are going through. And, and that's really what the, the whole film and entertainment industry is often about. Yes, there's escapism, but you've also always putting yourself in the place of, of everyone, whether it be Bruce Willis and Die Hard or you know, something, you know, some, some fun comedy you go and see, you know, it's, uh, it, it, that's all what it's about. And right. uh, long may that continue with your work as you get some absolutely amazing roles. Actually, I know you uh, you warrant with your talents. So where can people go to not only find out about all the awards that will keep coming in for a good while yet, we know that, and also be able to pick up uh, the, the the DVD itself? So you can um, actually see all the awards and laurels and stuff like that on the Rage Movie official website, which is ragemovie.co.uk. Um, you can follow um, Rage on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook, ragemovie.co.uk. 2022 um and yeah you can check out our imdb page as well um it's a bit harder to find on imdb you would probably have to go through one of the actors pages to find it because there's so many rage movies it's crazy um but yeah that's where you can find it and of course all the dvd sales are going to victim support scotland and to help those in, in in need of domestic violence um help and whatnot so um, it's just something that me and David uh, felt strong about, and I think the the cast and crew that we definitely brought on board, they were all all with us, um, and you know we're we're all very proud of this piece that we've we've definitely made. Absolutely, congratulations on what you've done so far. It is such an important message, and it's so essential that people understand what others are going through. And and the wooding part is this is you know it is born out of a, a, a part of a reality in society. This is not fantasy. It unfortunately is somebody's everyday life, so many places across the whole of the UK. On a more fun side of things though, where can we go to see what your work you're doing and and, and what's uh, what's going on with you? Cool. So right now um I I will talk a little bit about why I'm in Oklahoma. Um so um for people that do watch my IMDB and stuff like that, you'll know that there's a production on there called Rise in the Hill. Um, that's a that's a feature franchise film that um, I'm currently creating um, with a lot of people from Oklahoma. It's based in Oklahoma. Um, one of the reasons why I'm here is I'm running through a ton of meetings, um, bringing new people on board, um, allowing the Oklahoma industry to to boost its way up, um, and hopefully get as close to 
the Atlanta, Los Angeles kind of vibe that they're they're going for. Because I mean, in the last three years alone, there's new film studios being built here, which is great. Um, I, I adore Oklahoma so much, and the people here, and the the crew, and the entertainment industry is absolutely amazing. Like they're, it's like a one big happy family here. It's it's fantastic. So yeah, we're working on rising hell right now. Um, we're not filming, um, but uh, we are going through a lot of meetings, stuff like that. So well. Continued success. Hopefully this project comes to fruition reasonably quickly. What's your Insta and your Facebook, please, sir? Cool. So all my social media is Gary A. Wales. Uh, my website, which is GaryAWales.com, you can actually see the uh, awards and stuff on there also that um, I've personally won, um, and along with the resume that I hold as of today. Um, it's all fully updated and uh, ready to go. It's constantly updated because it needs to be. There's so many different projects. But uh, good to see you as ever. Thank you for joining us and uh, doing this is a daft time of day for us both. And I look forward to your next work in the not too distant future. Oh, for sure. Can't wait. Now, where is the love? 25% of people across our city uh, catching the ick. Uh, spelling the end of a relationship. But it doesn't have to be that way. We've got Love Iden on the telly, which puts us exactly in the mood for this sort of thing. Dating expert from Celebs Go Dating is Anna Williamson, who joins me now, who can advise on all of these things. Good afternoon to you. Oh, well, good afternoon. I also like the fact, Jason, that you started that with, probably unbeknownst to you, the title of my latest uh, dating and relationships book, Where is the Love? Ah, so well, thank you. That was, that was a beautiful link-up. So, Your press uh, team are doing so wonderful there things. Go. There we go. So I mean, this, this is the book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is happening here? Because relationships kind of uh, were both kindled and fell apart during lockdown. But now we're in a more normal environment. Are people still feeling that love? They are. But I think I, we absolutely saw people um, take a hit when it came to dating and relationships during the pandemic because the dating scene pretty much flatlined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we could only really date people virtually. And it did find its own space. Um, but people absolutely, um, I think the best word to use is rusty. They're feeling <laughs> rusty coming out of the last couple of years and the same for relationships no relationships were challenged more than ever over the last couple of years um some thrived some didn't survive um but we are in this place uh where we are used to say coming back into some form of normal so people are back in the dating scene they're now perhaps a little bit more distracted within their own relationships whereas we have spent more time if we're in a relationship with our with our other halves because we've legally had to um (laughs) Pardon me. We are we are now sort of going back to being busy again um, and relationships can um, perhaps fall by the wayside. So, yes, we are in the summer of love, Love Island, I do Celebs Go Dating. And then today, I mean, we I've teamed up with Woo Woo, the feminine care brand, which is amazing. We've done this brilliant research on this terminology called the ick, which is um, something that the old young, the youngins are trotting out <laughs> left, right and centre. Oh, we do. We do love a bit of youth speak. Uh, and, and because I mean, these, these phrases are born out of what's going on as well. And the ick kind of covers it. You can tell it's not a good term it's absolutely spot on anything that rhymes with ick is generally not a good word (laughs) sick sick can't think of anything else um but yeah the ick is essentially when you have got being attracted to somebody to literally in a heartbeat being disgusted by them and it's normally triggered by something um 
pretty pretty subjective really um you know beauty's in the eye of the beholder and all that um with the research that we did with woo woo one in four people were uh, more experienced the ick uh, women a fraction more than men um but personal hygiene was up there you know picking their nose i mean that's fair enough i think picking their nose but um <laughs> lack of banter lack of good chat you know um bad habits all of these things um were coming up as the reasons why people would be turned off uh, in a relationship or in a dating scenario um and, and that is what the ick is it's when you're suddenly like ew not for me okay so how can we avoid the ick what tips have you got well it depends really on on sort of you know if you're the ick e or the ick er <laughs> um putting the spotlight inwards is really important and asking yourself you know are, am i being a bit too judgmental am i trying to strive for perfection am i being too picky um and you know the answer could be yes and if the answer and a lot of people are now you know instagram and social media and online dating apps you know there's a lot of choice out there a lot of noise um and often we just can't be bothered to invest in looking a bit more into somebody that's a bit more than face value um, and that's a danger that's a worry because we're just getting to know people otherwise on a top line level and we don't really get to know somebody until we do really spend more time with them and then the act is dropped a little bit and we see that real person um, um, so what I would say is invest in that person more and focus on the positives, not the negatives, which are likely to give you the ick. And if there are more positives that outweigh the, the negatives, then go with that. Yeah. So be happy where you can be. But if the ick is too strong, feel that force and go your own separate ways. Yeah. If the ick is, I mean, the ick, you know, there are perfectly reasonable scenarios when that could happen. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's, and it's perfectly okay for that person to not be for you. What I would say though is if you do get the ick, just be kind. Be kind to that person. There is you can move on and 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 not continue something and do it in a kind way. Just tell them in the friend zone and make sure that uh, they, they they do remain friends. That's the important part. Yeah. Sometimes the best thing to do is thank you, but no thank you. Okay, well we, we, we'll go with that. We, we, we'll see how people behave. Where can we go for more information on all of this and the ick itself? Uh, just head over to woowoo.fun uh, where you can find uh, all of the information uh, on, on our research and also all the fabulous products as well. Yeah, and make sure that uh, you are, you're, you're enjoying your, you, yourself and your family and your relationship in the, in the best way possible. We, love, we like a bit of woo-woo, don't we? We do. We do indeed. It's a great brand. <laughs> Loving it. Dating expert from Celebs Go Dating, Anna Williamson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Stephen C. Davis knows his way around the world of folk and writing, and he joins me now to tell me what he's been up to of late. Hello, sir. Hello. So, so give us some background to begin with, because the, there's plenty of published work out there by you. There's, uh, I think, about a dozen or so books of mine. Um, I've been writing for about 40-odd years, but it was actually the lockdown that made me put everything together and go, right, I need to actually start publishing things, finishing off all these ideas. And the one I'm proudest of is the start of my retelling of the Robin Hood myth cycle, mm -hmm. but in a folk horror interpretation kind of thing. And the book is called Law of the Selvatici. Um, and the Selvatici were... I think there is some historical mention of them in some spelling or another. And the idea is that they were either forest guardians or they kind of, they were a sort of poor man's 
um, defense group against the Normans and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's been, across British history, uh, tales of good and bad from on both sides, and it's the, the winners in history who always get to tell the story. And actually, there's, there's often a lot more going on behind the scenes than many of us realise. And in particular with the tale of Robin Hood, uh, I think once it was Disney, that was the point at which it lost some of its uh, original story. Yes. It, um, well, I think it was the 17th, 18th century when they started in adding in characters like Maid Marian. And um, I don't know if Fry Tuck was an original, he was added in, but it, it's been gentrified for hundreds of years and Disney have just kind of sweetened it and mellowed it and taken all the the bite out of it. So I'm trying to bring back some sense of real menace. And when we're talking 900, 1,000 years ago, we're talking a community that lived in or near the forest. They were reliant on a crops and animals that kind of, a bad summer, a bad season, would finish them off. If the taxes were too high, they'd be finished off. If they were caught poaching, they'd be lucky just to lose a hand. It was a grim, hard time. It wasn't all twee and soft and wonderful and lovely. There were no musical numbers? No, (laughs) it didn't happen. And the the idea of um, dancing through the greenwood in Lincoln Green, that wouldn't have happened either. It would have been layers and layers of patched clothing and rags and whatever they could find to keep warm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is the, the reality doesn't take away from the fun that can be had. We are not trying to steal people's childhoods as we talk here, but what we're trying to do is bring you know, a, a more gritty and realistic account, but equally, uh, you've taken it just that little bit further. Yes, I'm a, a great fan of Robin of Sherwood, the 80s series, and that was quite a turning point. I mean, I, even as a child, the Robin Hood myths always hooked me. Mm-hmm. The, the poor guy, the unrepresented, the um, the outcast, whatever, fighting for a better world against hopeless odds. It's never going to be a happy ever after. But you can still have a lot of fun, and characters like Robin Hood can do things that we might only dream of doing. <laughs> And I think a chance to explore that and, of course, the other works that you have out there as well gives people a bit of an insight, uh, not only to uh, a time gone by, but also something inside your mind as well. And say so it is that hook that, that takes you there. And it, it's been able to share these, these kind of almost addictions with the, these, these characters from the past, which must be really satisfying. It's a, a wonderful thing to do. When I, when I got into folk horror about six or seven years ago and I started then trying to put that together with Robin Hood, I kind of, I looked at the character of Little John and it's like, that is a really, really poor joke. You'd grown the first time someone who's six foot was called Little or whatever. Mm-hmm. But particularly as most legends kind of call him and describe him as a, well, the older one, so he's quite violent. Accepting a twee name as a joke, I'm not sure about that. So I did a a little bit of research, and quite often in that era, there wasn't surnames as such, but there might be so-and-so from whatever town or whatever village. So it became John of Hathersage. But then Hathersage wasn't called Hathersage 900 years ago. It was Hearsage, 
So it became John of Hearsiege, or Hearsiege John, or just in the end, Hearsiege. So I'd come up with this completely new character, Hearsiege, that is actually still basically Little John, but he's a stone carver and a, he's worked with um, also as a shepherd after incidents happened. So he's got a completely different background and he prefers like using a hammer as opposed to a staff. But there's enough there that you can see this is just maybe a slightly radical interpretation of the old myths, just trying to get away from the, the romanticization version a bit mm-hmm. and bring a bit more grit and fire into it. And, and at which sort of point uh, you know, was this sort of thing started to be written down? Because we're going back, as you say, 900 to 1,000 years. Uh, there'll be chronicles which go back away, but how much has survived that really does tell the tale of these people? Um, I think the Ballad of Robin Hood was about 1,300 or 1,400 or something. Um, and even then, it was speculated that it was accumulations of several different characters mm-hmm. or that the, the Robin Hood figure was kind of a bogeyman used against the Normans, kind of spirit of the forest that if you stray too far, this avenging Anglo-Saxon or Celtic figure might get you. And it's just been added to piecemeal over the years and each generation that discovers it reinterprets it like folk songs you grow up listening to your parents listening to it and then you express it yourself in a slightly different manner mm-hmm. and that's how these tales have come to where we are today and you know it's great to be able to read something a little bit different and i uh, I would love to see the movie version of your book. I think that would be absolutely amazing. That would be a fun one to do. Um, I organise a festival as well. Mm-hmm. And at the festival, two, um, a friend and myself actually performed the first part of the book. Now, the first part is written in the style of an Anglo-Saxon poem. Mm-hmm. So it's not rhymed. It's alliterative and it's repetition. And my friend is German, and we had one read-through beforehand. And some of her phrasing was slightly off, and timing was slightly off, but the two voices combined. And at times we kind of turned to look, and there was this lovely kind of, this smirking glower between us. It was like, holy hell, we've got something really powerful here. And when we'd finished, it was about a a 20-minute reading in all. Um, Duckhold Ash Mandrake, who's a musician, came up to me and said, you've written a ritual. And I'd always thought, it's it's not just, but it's a poem kind of thing. It's a a description of how someone in that era might have mythologised the arrival of this Robin Hood figure. But I thought about it, and it was like, yeah, it is kind of a ritual and it's got power, particularly when it's performed live, because there are phrases and sentences that repeat themselves and then go off somewhere different. The work that you've done here, I think, is one of those which is uh, needs to be discovered. We need more people to, to enjoy this, to see what's going on. Fingers crossed 
Uh, yeah, Hollywood, maybe Pinewood Studios would be the best to, uh, uh, to, to, to look after this one. I think uh, it, it needs that Britishness about it. And uh, I say huge potential to take this to the next level. Uh, but for now, people can actually get a copy of this. How do they get hold of your work? Uh, they can find me on Amazon. Um, I'm in the process of setting up my own website, but it will still link back to Amazon mm-hmm. because Amazon can handle all the postage themselves. Search for Stephen C. Davis or Law of the Selvati uh, and that's S-A-E-L-V-A-T-I-C-I, but it's easier searching for my name. Yeah, simple as that, Stephen C. Davis, I-S at the end, and uh, yeah. it'd be fantastic to see that, and maybe a progression of uh, the stories from uh, this uh, folklore time in much more of a realistic and gritty manner. But uh, Stephen C. Davis, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Andy Summers is somebody who is part of Words in Motion we talked about last year and also was instrumental in making the bandstand come to life in Warsaw for their Festival of Words just a few weeks ago. He joins me now to tell me more about his work. Hello, sir. Hello there. Good morning, Jason. Good to see you. Well, good to talk to you again. And uh, uh, with so much going on at the moment, give us a bit of a rundown of, of what you've been doing. Because I know you, you were here, there and everywhere just over a week ago with the, uh, the, the work you were doing in Warsaw. Yeah, well, the, 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 the stuff I do is sort of pretty much wrapped around poetry. Um, but um, last week was a big world because we had the Walsall, the first ever Walsall Festival of Words. It was a kind of trial run for what we hope will be bigger and better events over time that shows that Walsall has got some fantastic talent, uh, some great creative writers and performers, both in poetry and in and other forms of writing and, and art. And, and uh, it was pretty hectic for those days, um, but incredibly varied. The works that were performed uh, from plays through to straight, short um, haikus by different people with different tastes. And the fact that if you were walking around Walsall, which gets a lot of bad press, frankly, from, from the wider media sometimes. And it's, it, these are tough times for every town at the moment. And, and Walsall struggles with the best of them. Um, it's fantastic to realise people were walking around in the, in the uh, streets. And, and on the Wednesday, for example, we were out there in the streets, suddenly stopping producing a poem, and, you know, reading a poem and uh, kind of a poetry of... flash mob and that, that I mean that body to life and, and I know you borrowed performers from Woolen Hall and Wolverhampton as well because you, you you really were celebrating the whole Midlands Walsall was a backdrop for it that's right and, and you know it's good to see the sort of arts sort of burgeoning in our area particularly with the pressures that everything's been under and so you you, you want to become a bit of a mecca I mean Wolverhampton has its literature festival Walsall now has its festival of words yeah. and uh, I think all these things are so positive for our region encouraging the creativity and getting people to talk poetry can be about having as you say talking about things seeing what's on your mind and, and yeah. sharing it with others so they get a, a spark to make them think too no, I, I, absolutely and the fact that it is right in the heart of, of um, this town um, and, and in fact, what I was doing on the Thursday in the park, I'm in the heart of an absolutely beautiful gem 
that Walsall has, which is its Arboretum Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already been celebrated by other people. My, my daughter is a performer and, and artist, and, um, uh, and she produced a, a film ab- about the park, and we all provided different words, different poets, different people from Walsall. And you start to think, hang on a minute, this is a stunning little town. And, and, uh, and then you discover it's a huge town. It's a town with incredible potential. Um, and and people, as I say, knock it and don't realise. Even last night, there were there was a gathering at um, an, a venue in Walsall called the Table, where people were doing musical theatre numbers in high quality. Um, and and I'm thinking this is happening in this town. And yet, I I was recently discussing because I get involved with local politics as well. And you hear people making glib comments about, oh, you know, I was in Walsall this morning and it looked like this and it looked like that, because it frankly is very difficult for the, the towns and their councils to, to, to make the, 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 the towns look alive because of the fundings that, that have been cut, etc. But you hear this misery and you think, well, have you actually looked? Have you gone beyond just that first flimsy view of what's basically typical Britain of the moment, 2022, where yes, there could well be a lot of, of shut shops. There could be a lot of, of uh, empty streets sometimes. And you've just gone, bang, it's like that. You actually haven't gone in through one of those doors and discovered, for instance, when we were out on our poetry walk on the Wednesday, um, we went into a, an organisation called Urban Hacks that operates on the, in the very centre, on the bridge at Walsall. And it's a kind of um, uh, young people's uh, employment uh, organisation, independent organisation. Um, and actually, if you walk through the door of that little shop front, which is kind of just gently placed against the co-op on one side and the Halifax on the other, if you walk in, and look at the side wall. They've put this incredible interactive poem or, or celebration of languages mm. of all the nations that are represented in Warsaw, that mm. are represented in this world. And it's through the diversity of the communities that we have throughout the whole Midlands. Uh, so Warsaw being an inspiration here for the likes of Wolverhampton, Dudley and Tipton and, and beyond to, to continue the great work that they're doing. And I, it's great the way the, the, the Black Country and Wolverhampton councils all work together. And yeah. it, it's, it, it's seeing what can come out of that. And it's through collaboration and from collaboration from artists from uh, around the region yeah. that can create some amazing uh, work. I mean, Absolutely. your poetry, I mean, where, where do you like to go to? What do you like to talk about when, you, when you're writing? Oh, right. OK, well, I mean, that's I've got a, a quite diverse poetry that I take part in. I mean, I make no bones about it. Um, I use poetry uh, as a way of, of pushing a message. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this is a time when um, ordinary people, ordinary places are under a huge attack from their political leadership. I, I actually am very critical of the politics of the age um, and the impact it's having both on Walsall and on the wider world. So, so you will see me um, at, uh, at marches and protests with poetry in hand, because I believe that there's a huge strength in creative language and, and in those moments where you just hold everybody's gaze. Mm-hmm. So, so recently with issues as, as diverse as food banks um, and the outrageous way in which some politicians almost talk as though it's a celebration that we have got so many food banks uh, and and people like me put out poems that that actually 
absolutely criticised that dreadful point of view. Mm. And at the moment, with extraordinary policies on on taking uh, asylum seekers and rushing them off 6,000 miles away to some other country when we should be handling that ourselves uh, and we should be looking after all their interests. That provides some of the motivation for my work. On the other hand, I write other stuff. I, I write things that reflect my family and my family life, which I think a lot of poets would say that they, that they follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then um, I might just do some local uh, poems about the park about the trees. In fact, I've got some in front of me if you actually wanted to hear any. That'd be nice. Share something arboreal with us then. Something arboreal. Okay, okay. This is a, um, a, a poem actually performed the other day as well in the park because I wrote it after a visit to the park. Um, many years ago, um, I, I, used, I went there with my children, obviously, and, and played with them. But I, I was in the park and I, I saw um, a, a grandfather, or could have been a father, just a little bit aged, um, and this little child, and they were playing on the swings. And um, I noticed that uh, there was just a, a very beautiful little token left in the swing, mm-hmm. which was a flower that, that the little child had popped into one of the links. And this poem, written inspired in Walsall Arboretum gives you an example of the the sort of lighter arboreal type of poem I might write. This is called Single Flower on the Swing. On a walk in the park, we watched the proud father swinging his smiling child sky high. But the memory would have faded, but the moment passed if we hadn't seen a single flower placed carefully in the fifth link of the chain, moving in time with the gentle arc, with the careful push, that most precious cargo safe in laughter and delight. But the memory would have faded and the moment passed if we hadn't looked away for a moment. And on looking back, found the child and the father had vanished. But the single flower was still fixed there. Perhaps for them. That is lovely. And it's a thought, the moment, and it's capturing that moment in words. And uh, you do that so well. Where can we go to find uh, your collections of uh, uh, work <laughs> and, uh, and, and see where we are going to be appearing next? Right. OK. Now, the real truth on me is that I'm what I'm a kind of um, a vagabond wanderer um, <laughs> and I have never though I'm being asked by quite a few people which is very flattering uh, when are you going to organize your poems which are very varied and um, and and which people seem to enjoy in performance but I actually don't have a collection of work other than my own personal collection mm-hmm. and so I'm working on it that's a that's a, a job in process okay and um, I'm hoping to get back to organisations such as yourself to celebrate when that finally makes its uh, appearance. You'll be very welcome. That would be good to do. And um, and uh, obviously, uh, at the same time, I, I turn up at uh, various poetry events. I was in Leamington recently and got the Poet of the Month for that particular group for, for a range of fairly assertive stuff there, very political stuff. Um, 
but I tend to turn up or, or, or not turn up. People get me sometimes or they say, is he here today? No, he isn't. I was at a, a great <laughs> little pub in Walsall called The Fountain um, the other week and just before the festival, actually. And um, that was the first time I'd turned up at The Fountain for many a long day. And I just felt very welcome and they welcomed me. So I, I'm sort of not yet, if you like, what you call a branded article not that I would want to be that I probably just want to be this old geezer who turns up sometimes um at, but has somehow found some words that that uh, resonate for people in in the room and I love listening to the words of others I love the the massive variety of creativity that I I I just experience when I walk into those rooms, into a into a small pub in Walsall, into a, into a, um, a visitor centre at the Arboretum, knowing I'm going to be listening to a dozen other voices about words I haven't yet heard yet. And, and that's a, a magical trip. And I, I recommend more people took part in that and um, and understood why there is a there is a joy in poetry. That, um, that and you can catch it in a, in a few lines, like with that poem, Single Flower. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need, I write quite long narrative poems, but they take a bit more time and performance and you need a bit of patience to watch it. But sometimes you need these short bursts, just delicate sort of sketches. And sometimes you find that's what people sort of buy into most. So, so yeah, flowers. that's where I am anyway. And uh, and I'm delighted to have had the chance to have a conversation about it. It's not often I actually put it together. And in a way, you've you've made me even more determined to actually get a collection together so that then I can just say, well, it's over there or you can get it there. And, mm-hmm. and people can then say, I've read it, it's rubbish, or I've read it and I'm glad I've got that book. Well, fingers crossed it'll be the, uh, the latter. When that happens, we will talk about it. For now, look out for the name Andy Summers on the bills or any poetry night you happen to be turning up to. Be ready to be inspired and, of course, to think just that little bit more. So, Andy, thank you for joining us. Not at all. Cheers, mate. I really appreciate being given the space. Um, And I I must remember to be more than just a a, a Facebook person under the name Andy Summers, or that's about it, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have any accessible thing. You have to go chasing if you're interested. I think, I think that's part of the joy, isn't it? It's always worth looking for something, and I think this is another opportunity to do that. Thanks yeah. again for joining us. Cheers, mate. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 679 next week. I'll see you then. Good for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar, yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar, yeah.